Men are three times more likely to take their own lives than women. We know this is because men often have fewer support networks, but why is this the case? And why is there a culture more generally in which men feel they're unable to speak about their mental health? Here is Rishal Patel, a recent psychology graduate with experience of suicidal thoughts, speaking about how we all experience mental health, but we don't all have access to the same support. Ironically, in my final year at university, one of my assignments was an extended project where you're allowed to do anything you wanted. So I looked into whether there were higher rates of depression in women than compared to men, and I found that the rates were actually very similar. However, there's a lot of layers to it where um, therapy and things like that are seen as traditionally feminine, and there's a whole heap of societal and gender norms from a young age where we teach boys that boys don't cry like it's a girly thing to show your emotions boys don't do this boys don't do that and all of that stuff and that really impacts men and we see that the suicide rate is higher because men are very much more physical in their actions where they won't talk about their problems because it's not seen as something they're allowed to do because of toxic masculinity that we face in society that tells men that they should be macho, they should be mean, they should be aggressive, the uh, breadwinner, all of that stuff. And um, men are more likely to take their own life because men are actors and they will jump to that instead of talking to someone, whereas women would more likely talk to someone. And that's why I think it's so, so important because there's that massive gap in between that could save so many people's lives. and. I think it's such an easy, it's such an easy way of bypassing that. And we've got so much to work on as a, as a society and as people. But I think the first thing we need to tackle is just letting men know that their emotions and their feelings are warranted. And it doesn't make them any less of a man because the societal stigma says that because they're feeling suicidal they're showing feminine traits and all of this stuff that's just complete uh, rubbish because at the end of the day these ideas of societal norms cost people their lives and i think it's just stupid like it's so ridiculous that we put this pressure on men to not be happy i guess just because it doesn't fit with what society says and it, it breaks my heart because it is just this so it's such an easy thing to do getting men to talk and having conversations which we can all do and we're missing that and as people i think we're failing each other and that's what hurts the most i think because it's so 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 easy the importance of this openness surrounding mental health and more specifically for men feeling that they can speak about their mental health is actually why Rishal feels it's so important to share his own experiences. Obviously, being a male, it's extremely hard to talk about your feelings. I feel like it's my duty to kind of have these conversations because I know what it's like and I know how hard it is. And obviously, I did a, I did a degree in psychology, so I know firsthand like how important education is and how important talking is. So I think just having these conversations and normalizing things like this especially for men is suicide in general is important to talk about i think for men we really need to make it normal and there's no like 
mental health doesn't affect women like only it doesn't only affect certain people it affects everyone and it's not it doesn't discriminate so I think we need to move past that idea that you're immune from it an estimated one in five people experience suicidal thoughts at some point in their life no individual or community is immune from struggles with mental health but the biggest challenge we face in stopping suicide is a lack of awareness of how anyone can be affected and how we can support those who are so on that note the following interview with the mental health charity CPSL Mind continually stresses the importance of education. For individuals who may be experiencing suicidal thoughts, it's important they know how they can seek support. But we also need to place an emphasis on educating our community. It's often our friends and family who notice when something is wrong, and so we all need to know how to spot the signs of suicidal thoughts. Educating our community can go further, though, to create a positive dialogue surrounding mental health. People need to feel they can discuss their mental health openly and without judgment. Thank you to Rob Earl, who is Campaigns and Communications Lead at CPSL Mind, and Rachel Patel, a recent graduate with experience of suicidal thoughts. Oh, and um, thank you, listener, for taking the time to educate yourself on discussions surrounding mental health, suicide prevention, and mental health services. That alone is helping to change our culture surrounding mental health and stop suicide. I wanted to begin by asking Rob whether he thinks there's enough awareness surrounding suicidal thoughts. No, it's, it's not. And that's why we're uh, running this campaign, um, particularly male suicide. It's something that we're aware that conversations can be difficult to have because it isn't um, normalised in society as much as it should be. And that's really what we're trying to address with the campaign, normalising those conversations. Based on his experience, Rishal agreed. Yeah, I think... Um, suicide the word in itself brings up a lot of stigma and like scary thoughts for people so suicide itself is something that people are afraid to approach so then you've got men's suicide and men's mental health which is even harder to talk about because it's even more taboo I guess um so trying to get those conversations out in the first place will then lead a knock-on effect into male suicide but I think yeah having the word suicide just talking and starting to have conversations I think will lead on to more immersive conversations about other elements and other aspects which then kind of will work together and the conversation kind of deepens a bit more. And Rob wanted to highlight that these are conversations that we should all be having. Although we're focusing on men because of the reasons that um, have just outlined, it's because the campaign is aimed at the whole community um, it's not just men that can reach out to other men. Um, it's everybody else as well um, can be aware of the, the men in their lives or just people in their lives who maybe they think wouldn't be likely to, to open up for whatever reason, if that's um, kind of a personality trait that you see in someone. If, if you know that somebody finds that difficult, then be the one to, to go to them and ask. How are you working to kind of create these conversations, encourage people to speak about something that's so stigmatised? Yeah, so a lot of campaigns um, are targeted at the individual who's experiencing the suicidal thoughts and trying to encourage that person to be the one who um, speaks up and talks about it, which um, if somebody can, obviously that's a great thing to do, to be open about how you're feeling. But we know that it can be very difficult when you're experiencing those thoughts to reach out to somebody else and our campaign, uh, Stop Suicide, tries to place the emphasis on 
all of us in the community so that we can be aware of warning signs in others and that we can approach that conversation with them. We can be the ones to ask somebody, are you feeling suicidal? Be really direct about it and open up those conversations, as um, Rochelle said, so that you can really make somebody feel that you want to listen and that it's okay to talk about those feelings that they might be having. Would you say that there's anything that people can do as well as kind of having open conversations to support those who may be having suicidal thoughts and getting help? But what we're really trying to do with this campaign is to focus on the people that aren't in touch with those services um, necessarily because what we do know is that 70% of people who do die by suicide haven't actually been in touch with a mental health service in the year before their death. And that's why it really is so important that it's me or you or a friend or a family member, um, even a stranger, if you can notice warning signs in somebody um, to have that conversation and um, yeah, start that conversation at that stage because um, mental health services obviously aren't always aware of people who, who are struggling and it's really the people around them that can potentially notice that and help that person um, onto a, a better road where they can get to a better place again. I always like bang on about how important education is and I genuinely feel like education and exposure to these topics and these conversations is the most important thing you could do. I think for people who want to support their friends who might be having a tough time, I think reading about what they could do, watching videos about how they could help and kind of just teaching themselves or like exposing themselves to material that they might find uncomfortable to kind of learn about how to deal with situations and notice signs and other people that other people might not pick up on. So I think it kind of goes down to all of us looking after each other. It's like a proactive thing. Um, you, it's, it's not something you have to do, but I think as a decent human being and as a decent friend, I think it's kind of your responsibility, but I don't want that to be like, there's no burden on that person to have to help but I think yeah just like researching and looking at things yourself and learning how to spot signs I think is really key. I mean if we can link that to universities um, I suppose you have a culture and perhaps because you're all students you have a greater sense of duty than people would have in a normal friendship group because you're living together and you're studying together. Um, do you think that being at university means that students are better supported by their friends and are there any ways that the universities can encourage students to look out for one another or create a positive environment? I think we need to, um, I think university is kind of like a bubble so you feel like these conversations you have are what the mass population believes in and everyone is the same but when you move out you're like there's a shift in opinion and caring I guess I think at university because everyone is similar everyone goes through the same stuff everyone has dissertations everyone has nights out where they feel not so great about themselves and I think there's a lot of common themes and elements that everyone can relate to so I think there's a whole kind of like community at university because these people know how hard it is so you've got these people to bounce off of and I think universities are doing a lot more than they used to be but it's still not to a level where it should be for example waiting lists are still incredibly incredibly long and for a lot of people that is kind of like their lifeline and 
from my experience, people have really found it difficult because the help isn't there. So I think university is great in looking after mental health and promoting conversations, but I think there's still a lot of work to be done in moving that forward. And for students who think that maybe a friend is at the point of being reliant on university services that maybe they're not receiving, or if you're an individual who's waiting on that, I mean, what are the warning signs that things could, you know, progress and what can students do in those times of crisis to support each other? I don't know. I think my generation are very good at picking up on signs and because we are so surrounded and involved with mental health nowadays because of the stuff we go through, I think these conversations automatically happen, um, which is a blessing because you, there's no like, there is a stigma, but I think for our age group, there's a lot more ease in having these conversations. So I think if you notice a friend is struggling, I think just be frank and just ask them and like, have this conversation because I know it's uncomfortable and I know it's hard but there's opportunities where you could help them and they could help you and you could signpost them to other services that might be more beneficial but I think from my experience even just someone acknowledging that you're not feeling your best and trying to have this conversation with you probably personally has done a lot more for me than therapy has um, because it because these people are the people you surround yourself with all the time and it you know people care one thing that's i mean brilliant about our generation is that openness about mental health um is there any way that we can take it to the our intergenerational relationship so some people may struggle to talk about these issues with their parents or with other people in their family who are older than them but actually it might be important for those people to have some feeling that they can speak about these issues and especially for men from older generations they may feel an even greater barrier to speaking about these things do you have any suggestions for how people can kind of get across that generational barrier yeah I think from my experience I come from an Indian family so this was really hard for me to kind of deal with Um, I approached it in a way where it was kind of thrown on to my parents quite forcefully so they kind of had to deal with it so I think there are better ways of dealing with things like that such as for example the general population how would you talk to them about these conversations and how would you introduce these topics to them it would genuinely just be introducing some elements and explaining them kind of making them easy to understand and then building upon them so again I'm going to mention how important education is and I think education genuinely can bridge these gaps and open these conversations not just for us but for other people because it all starts at a fundamental like basic level and I think you then build up on that so for our like age we start from the bottom up and that's how a system and framework is built so I guess to make something easy to learn and understand I think the same thing needs to be done for like the older generation so they see how deep it is and yeah just make it make sense for them a bit more. And how is the Stop Suicide campaign trying to educate people and are there different um, educational strategies for different groups or different ages? Yeah, so what we've um, worked on recently and uh, something that Rochelle's been part of is a um, video that we've created, which, um, well, there's a few different videos, but 
Um, there's eight men involved across uh, different generations. So some of them are uh, kind of more university age, like Rochelle, and then we have other uh, guys in the group who um, are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, um, which is actually the highest uh, risk group uh, for men. But yeah, we tried to represent a broad range of men um, from across our community within that. And we put together a podcast and um, lots of clips on our social media where um, these guys are talking about their personal experiences to really open up those conversations um, so that that's going out into the public domain, obviously, and trying to normalize that conversation. And uh, what we're doing then uh, from there is once people have kind of had their attention brought in by uh, that personal experience, we're taking them to our website, stopsuicidepledge.org, where there's lots of information about um, how to spot warning signs and how to have the conversation about suicide and all of these things, and as well as helplines and further support. I think when people think about a conversation about suicide, they imagine somebody who maybe is trying to take their own life at that point and they're trying to almost talk them down. But a conversation about suicide can be really, really simple. We all have thoughts sometimes where we'd rather not be here and those kind of um, lingering things where not necessarily going to act on those, but you need somebody to talk to and it's catching those thoughts at an earlier stage where you can ask somebody, are you feeling suicidal and have a conversation just over a cup of tea or whatever it is, um, can really catch it early and prevent it from potentially uh, going further down the line where somebody does uh, need that further support. But obviously if somebody is at that point, then there is support available and the best um, support for anybody who's experiencing emotional or mental health crisis in Cambridgeshire is the NHS first response service, which people can reach on 111 option two. And that's a 24 hour helpline that um, yeah anyone can contact and receive support from a mental health professional um, any time, night or day. And yeah, it can be obviously really valuable when somebody is um, at a point where they're experiencing that kind of crisis. So if you're looking for more information about the Stop Suicide campaign, you can visit stopsuicidepledge.org and lend your voice to the campaign by making the pledge to stop suicide. That was Rob Earle and Rachel Patel of CPSL Mind. The details of the Stop Suicide campaign and further resources from their charity will be available on the CAMFM website in the programme description.